Yeah, I could never run for office just because of the skeletons. Oh, like skeletons in the closet kind of thing? And maybe a few buried in my yard. Oh, you know, jeez. It's oh, just oh, a way it... Hold on, we're rolling. All right, let's roll. All right, well, I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on, on Block, Block Island. Island. What shall we do with Well, thanks for uh, tuning into this episode of our podcast. Uh, we have a great guest today. He great guest. Is, uh, you know, started out as a summer kid here on Block Island and has, uh, I don't know if he's worked his way up or into trouble, but he is now uh, a member of the uh, House of Representatives in Rhode Island. It's uh, Blake Filippi. Welcome to the show, Blake. How's it going, Blake? Um, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. I yeah. got to say, I you know usually our guests are a little bit nervous when they come on the podcast. Some some are, but I think we're a little nervous today because we've got like you know a power broker, oh, a please. Rhode Island like <laughs> a guy. Man, you're like heavy duty now. He's Not really. I remember you and we were just like I'd see you at the bar back in the day. Would have a couple beers and hang out. And now it's like you're making laws happen. He's you're, on TV. He's on TV. Yeah. But you still see me at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, That's that hasn't good. changed. I mean, it's good to know something's don't change. Good yeah. to know. You know, you yeah. only change so much, and then you know you got to keep it friendly. Totally. You know. Totally. So, so Blake, what we usually do is we uh, ask all of our guests the first question we ask is tell us your block island story uh, what's your connection to the island when did you first come here um, what made you stay that kind of thing so wh- go ahead my dad came out here in 1956 and got into business out here and i was born in 1980 and i think i came out here when i was a couple weeks old and and your dad's name was paul Filippi. okay and uh, he passed away in 1992 okay and he was just a, a great guy he was just a great, great person. And uh, that's what I've heard. The stories about your dad are, um, they're all very positive. Everyone says he was quite a character. Um, I guess he was always at the door at Ballard's, wasn't he? Did he greet people? Yeah, he, he was always there. Yeah. Um, just sitting down in his chair, rem- remembered everyone's names. And if you didn't remember your name, you didn't know. Um, yeah, he was he was a good guy. He was good. Yeah. And he had the whole, he was a schmoozer, I would say, in a good way. Like, I mean, yeah. part of business is schmoozing. You know, if you don't schmooze, whether it's politics or whether it's, you know, a bar or a restaurant, schmoozing people, you know, they want that, you yeah. know? But it yeah. doesn't mean it's not authentic. It's like, that's he, right. what he I mean. loved people. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not a bad thing. You know, it's it's people. You know, I schmooze. I love to schmooze. You know, and it's a, it's not because I'm being phony. It's about making people happy and comfortable. You know, and it makes you happy too when yeah, you it does. make others. It does. He was he was a great guy. Um, and so when did he? Now he bought Ballard's. I'm assuming. Yeah, he came. What, he, he he started after World War II. He started a, a nightclub in Providence, Rhode Island, called the Celebrity Club, and it was the first one of the first integrated music venues in the country. Really? Yeah. No wow. kidding. I yeah. didn't know this. Oh yeah, in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, it was segregated at the time. Uh, blacks and whites did not hang out, did not go to the same places, and he started a nightclub for a lot of his black friends because they had no place to go, and he got some of the most amazing music acts that white people just started coming. Who who played there? Uh, Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, <gasps> Ray Charles, Kay Ballard, Billie Holiday. You're kidding. I'm wow. not kidding. Do you have any photos? I have tons of photos. Oh, we you tons send of me, photos. Send us yeah, I'll put send up you a bunch. Oh my God. I'll send you a bunch. Um, he, he just had an amazing story 
and white people wanted to come and listen to the music and they just started organically integrating and the cops used to come and like, beat, beat did, people up. Oh, they were, people were pissed. Really? Oh, people were pissed. But my dad was just like, um, this is what I believe in and I'm going to run my business according to my values. And he did it. And it still looked back as today is one of the things that broke the like the race barrier. The color barrier. Around. Yeah. Wow. And I think it's great because it shows the power of art to bring people together. Yeah. The well, power of music to bring people together and transcend genius. boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And I've ne- hey, the bottom line is any big change for the better doesn't make some people pissed. It's yeah. Just right? the way we're seeing it now. Yeah. You totally. know what I mean? It's it's happens throughout history. You if know? you're not taking flack, you're not over the target. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've taken a bit of flack in your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. But he um so oh, he, so in nineteen fifty six, um when amplification changed the music industry, he kind of had a small venue and the biggest stars had to play in small venues because you didn't have incredible amplification where yeah. you could play for a hundred thousand people. And so it changed the way things were in, in the music industry and the, the small nightclub couldn't attract the, the worldwide acts that he used to get. And so he sold his nightclub and, and came out to block Island and lived in a tent for a week uh, on state beach, uh, now town beach. And, um, so it's funny how we all call it State Beach yeah, now from still. when we were kids. You know you have island roots <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. still call it State Beach. <laughs> now people are like, what? What are you What's talking that? about? Is that one? Oh, you've never been there? You'll find it someday. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then he saw Ballard's was for sale, and um, he purchased it in 1956. Wait, he traded his tent for Ballard's? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I don't think swap. it was. I got to sell the tent. Mm-hmm. I got to buy this place. But when you look at what properties were for sale for then, it would blow your mind. Right. It was, it was amazing. Most places were boarded up. And um, he saw the opportunity and bought it in 56 and, you know, ran it until he passed away in 1992. I'm wow. terrible with history on this, but was there a financial, was that a, a time where, you know, there was a depression Big type time. thing going on mm-hmm. right around then? Yeah. A okay. lot of the buildings were all boarded up. Um, wow. Most of the hotels that are now our beautiful Victorian hotels were just yeah. in disrepair. Yeah. We talked about that back in season one. We about, did. You know, when yep. Block Island went through its different phases of rekindling and, refer, you know, yeah, and no. I, I said Block Island is one of the few places in New England. I think we have some of the we have the largest number of uh, buildings that were restored to their original uh, that look, you know, the, the whatever they call it, the windows coming out the roof. And but that style is is most prevalent here on Block Island out of all New England. They say. Yeah. The, man, the mansard mansard roofs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. it. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry. I just want to like educate you on. Them. Yeah. OK. So you you're know. so you know more about roofs than <laughs> I do. Whatever. Um, well, I. All right. <laughs> I want to talk more about ballads and your dad. But what about. So then you started coming as a kid. So yeah, my whole life. Summer, I was, yeah. yeah. I was, you were yeah, born so, in 1980. And then what are your earliest memories of ballads? Oh, wow. I think just people having fun and me being a little kid getting into trouble. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I would steal matches off the bar <laughs> and, you know, go start fires. <laughs> yeah. You know. Right. Like, it, and, and just uh, the. the it was a crazy place. Every kid's got to get that out of their system. Yeah. yeah and yeah, in the yeah. 80s, this island was nuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. It was nuts. Where did you, where did you winter? Where was your, like, where'd you go to school and stuff? So my family would spend, not just summers out here. So my family would pretty much move out here in, in late April, early May, and then leave in October. So I would, you know, be back and forth at the end of the school year and at the beginning of the school year to Lincoln, Rhode Island, uh, where we grew up on a cattle farm. Did you do some attending school here? I did not. I oh, did not. Did. So okay. we would mostly, uh, my, we would come out here like 
you know, three days a week, I'd skip a lot of school in yeah, the spring and fall. Yeah, you made things, it work. Things you probably couldn't do now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you and, turned out all right. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And then we, um, and then my family uh, raised uh, organic grass-fed beef up in Lincoln, Rhode Island, and so I grew up on a cattle farm. And do you guys still have the farm? The family still has the farm. Is it still a functioning, working farm? Yeah. Yeah, it's still a functioning, working farm. What's it called? It's called Ballard's Farm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. I'm learning already. This is ridiculous. Oh. I learned so much in the first five minutes here. Yeah. And so my brother Paul and I now have cows out here on the island and we're, uh, we're getting milk. We get oh. our own organic milk. Do you milk, milk the cows yeah. yourself? Yeah. We make our own butter, our own cheeses. Um, <sighs> you, the, got, you do this you're, with your own two hands? Yeah, man. Really? Yeah. How'd you learn how to do that? Uh, growing just, up on the farm. Right? Yeah, growing up on the farm. But we, there were always beef. This is our first milk cows. And uh, they're amazing. Like you drink fresh raw milk, it's it's awesome. Yeah. That's a big controversial the raw milk movement thing, right? Isn't yeah. that like some people are like, oh, you can't drink raw milk? But yeah, supposedly it's great. It's really good. And the reason that it, there were problems back, I think, in the early 20th century was because we didn't have great refrigeration, and there were some milk scares out of New York where people were fit, uh, feeding the rye that was made in the fermentation using the fermentation process for booze. They fed that to a bunch of cows and the cows were sick uh, and a lot of people got ill from the raw milk. Uh, and so there was a movement to require pasteurization. So it's like anything. If you do it right, it's safe. And yeah. It's yeah. 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 And it keeps for about a week. Um, but in a lot of states, you can sell it. In Rhode Island, it's still illegal to sell to sell raw, to sell raw milk well, for human consumption. You gonna, can sell it for animal consumption. I'm going to say I got a guy. You got a guy. I got a raw milk guy. I know a guy. Yo, you got the raw milk. <laughs> what kind of yeah. cheese do you make? Oh, just mozzarella. Just mozzarella. Yeah, just mozzarella. <laughs> yeah, we just make our own. Can I have, can I get some of this yeah, from you man. sometime? I yeah, yeah, totally. I'll take some raw it's milk really good. Too. You know, the raw milk, you have a, a glass of it in the morning and you're not hungry the rest of the day. Uh, yep. And you're ready. It's like rocket fuel. You're ready to go. I swear to God. Well, really? I, I believe the process, you know, pasteurization, all that takes a lot out of it. You yeah, know, it, it really does. It's no longer a live food once right. it's pasteurized. Yeah. Wow. So this is still, all the enzymes are still alive. The cells are still alive. And so people view it as a superfood. Wow. I used, I had I drank raw milk when I was a kid. There's a guy named Stanley Smith out here and he uh he had cows and you know, I used to drink the raw milk. It was pretty neat. And you or you could scoop the cream right off the top and oh, put it in your so coffee. Good. I wasn't drinking coffee then and I probably shouldn't have drank right from the udder, but you know, and that's why you just—you're over six feet tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raw milk, <laughs> raw milk. No, and a couple of feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the the farm's still going. So now, where do you live now? So I'm um, on Block Island on Champlain Road, Coast Guard Road. Yeah, Coast Guard Road. Yeah, still I haven't. I still think oh, it's yeah. Coast Guard Road, and then I live in Charlestown, Rhode Island, in, in Charlestown. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, when uh, so when you were a kid, you you were hanging around at Ballard's, checking out the scene. You're just surrounded by you know people having a great time. Um, what what was your um, involvement? Did you work there? Were you like did you have jobs to do? Were you? I'm assuming your mom and dad probably did put you. They didn't let you just hang around stealing matches off the bar, starting fires. You got yeah. They probably made you work. Yeah, yeah. I did everything from cleaning up the beach to washing dishes. Um, just whatever odd jobs I had to do. And then I remember, I think I was 14 and I went and worked at Bethany's airport diner. That was like my first non-family job. Yeah. Was washing dishes for Bethany right there. 
<laughs> and was that because your parents fired you? Uh, no, I think my mother at the time was like, listen, maybe you should get a job someplace else. <laughs> I think yeah. it would be better for everybody if you maybe work somewhere yeah, when, else. When Bethany <laughs> says, get in there and scrub that, you came like, come on, mom. Yeah, you know <laughs> No, but it was, that, it, was actually, it was actually great. It was one of my best summers was working for Bethany. Yeah, and it's good learning experience. You know, that is true. Like my kids worked for me, but then when they went and got jobs doing other things for other people, you know, that's a learning. It's different. Yeah. It's yeah. different. It's a different accountability and the... And it and it helps you to you know learn about the world and yeah. you know because you're not always going to have a mom and dad there offering you a job you totally. Know? And then yeah. I and then my job the next summer was a trail guide at Rustic Rides. Yeah, really? that was wow. that was awesome. <laughs> now really? was that was that for Tim? That was for McCabe. Tim. Yep. He was still yeah okay yeah, back yeah. in the day. It, yeah. it, and uh, I loved it. I love animals and I love horses and. Did you uh, did you great. have to do the walking routine or were you allowed to be on a horse? I, I was on the horse. Because you had great horse experience from the farm. Yeah, yeah. So I grew yeah. up riding horses. So yeah. it was just a wonderful experience. And do you still ride? Yeah, yeah. My brother yeah. and I have two horses out here. Yeah. We ride all the time. I see Paul riding. Quite yeah. In fact, yeah. one day I remember Katie, my wife and I were walking down the beach in the shoulder season, empty. And there's a, we just see a horse in, in the distance and this guy with like, you know, no shirt on. He looked like Fabio. He's like, and coming up, I'm like, who is this joker? And I was like, Paul, it's your older brother. I'm like, oh, it's Paul. Hey, Paul. Uh, <laughs> I have to say he looked very majestic. Yeah. It was the horse. Do you, do you, do you wear a shirt when you ride your horse? Yeah, I still, <laughs> well, yeah, well, it depends. If we're going swimming with him, I may take it off. Um, we don't use saddles. Okay. Uh, so if we're going like in the water, then we may, you know, may just wear a bathing suit. But if we're going through the trails, you want to wear jeans and yeah. a shirt. So you ride bareback. Yeah. All yeah. Right. So does his brother. That's yeah. all I've ever seen. That's... It reminds me of Braveheart. He's yeah. got the long, long hair. I mean, you, know? you can understand why they would go crazy on a horse in battle because like when you're on that thing, it's like you're, you feel powerful. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And fast. And, well, and it's amazing to harness this, this animal that's a thousand pounds of muscle. Yeah. Just to be able to control it. It's something that there's a spiritual element to it. That's why I still love getting on a merry-go-round every now and then. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just that and that feeling of power. Horses, you know? <laughs> I'm afraid of them, but they are incredible creatures. I'll give you a quick short story that, you know, I always wondered police and horses and what the heck. And then I did the fatal mistake of uh, spending a New Year's Eve in Times Square. And when the police came through, they had to get an ambulance in through the crowd and the first ones through are the horses and they actually i don't know how to describe it but they strutted in such a way that their chests would just push people out of the way one horse then two then three behind that was motorcycles cop car and ambulance so they had this plow but the, the horses weren't even intimidated yeah you know thousands and thousands of people and wow. incredible animals so smart you know yeah they really and uh, they want it they want to they, go yeah like that's what they, i understand they, they like we have to hold them back yeah, they just want like you can. They, they, they want to run. They want to race each other. They want to be the fastest horse. That's exactly they the have opposite a, of what my wife says about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hold him back. He yeah. just wants to run. Right. <laughs> so it's interesting. There's a lot of stories about when the, the cavalry was used during battle, and you know you'd send in different waves of 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 attack right into a battle. And the if you were in a, a later wave, it was a thing like you had to hold your horse back. Like don't let him go. Hold your you, horses. Hold your horses. Wow. Because the horse Horses would hear the battle and want in. I want a piece of that. They wanted a piece of it. So they're wild. Wow. Did you know that's, awesome. that's what Hold Your Horses was for? I didn't. I didn't either. I just put two and two together. Wow. Again, wicked smart. Wicked smart. <laughs> I'm wicked smart. Um, so there was a fire 
right? At Ballard's at one point, was there? Do you remember that? Yeah, 1986. What, yeah. what, ha- what happened there? In the generator room. So my father had run Ballard's off a generator because we had so many uh, power issues on the island. And the generator caught fire and the whole place burnt to the ground. The whole entire building. The whole there. place. And I think yeah. there's probably around 40 something hotel rooms that were full. Oh. Mike Del Padre, who used to live out here, uh, was running around, banging on all the doors, telling people to get out. Did everyone get out all Everybody right? Everybody got out okay. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Luck- it happened in the spring, if I remember correctly. It was pretty early. It wasn't like peak summer m- m- weeks, Yeah. I think so. it was like late May, early June. Yeah. yeah. So how was I that remember. season for you guys? <laughs> it, was ba- it was bad, but my father was just like, I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to rebuild. And he rebuilt that whole winter and had it open in uh, May or June of 97. Wow. I mean, of 87, excuse me. Wow. And then didn't they uh, set up shop over at? Did they set up shop over at Champlain's for that yeah. summer? Yeah. So my, was my, it the Pier, Pier 76? Pier, Pier 76. 76. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was over there, but it wasn't the same, you know, it wasn't no. downtown. Wait, explain. I haven't heard this. So the Champlain's let them move over well, there? My, the my father owned Champlain's at the time. Oh, he did? Yeah. And he owned Champlain's at the time and he sold it in, I believe, that following winter in 1987. But that last year, they moved Ballard's over to the Pier 76. I think we all still wish he owned it at this point. Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, uh, we'll talk about Champlain's in a little bit. Um, so, and then, um, so Ballard's. So you're working there and then you go through high school and you graduate. You go to college, obviously. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? Uh, University of Arizona. Okay. And uh, then you went to law school. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you. Pass the bar? I, yes, I passed the bar. How was that? It, it was intense. <laughs> it was intense. Um, it, it, I, in a way, you kind of enjoy it because you're just so into studying and it's almost like a, a your brain's like a muscle. By the end of studying for the bar, you read something once and you retain it all. Yeah. And I, it was, I enjoyed the process, to be honest with you. It was like three months of intensive studying and, and taking a, one test. What made you want to become a lawyer? I've always been fascinated by the law and politics. Um, and I think it was kind of my dad inspired me in what he went through and how he used his life to spur change, to spur positive change. And I kind of always have had this um, belief in individual liberty and you know, maybe that government shouldn't be doing a lot of the things it does and controlling people a lot of the ways it does. And um and I see a lot of injustice and I saw a lot of injustice and I wanted to become a lawyer to fight it. Yeah. And so did you end up practicing law for a while or yeah. are you still practicing? Yeah, I'm still practicing law. Okay. I wasn't sure. Cause this is where I get confused about when people become politicians. I know a lot of politicians have law degrees and I, I, I'm just not, I've never understood like, do you, are you still a lawyer and you still like practice law and you're still, and you're also, um, a, um, my God, my brain. Representative. <sighs> Politician. Um, yeah. So how do you balance that? I mean, it's, I guess it's different in every assembly. We're not a full-time legislature. Okay. No. So we meet uh, January through June, three nights a week. So the session starts at 4 p.m. Okay. So it's a tough balance, to be honest with you. It takes a lot of time to do both. And I certainly have to do a lot of makeup work once we get out of session in June. Sure. But um, there's some assemblies that are full-time and, and you couldn't you right. couldn't have another job. But and we are a part-time assembly. What kind of law do you practice? So I've kind of done everything. I've done everything from criminal law to uh, tort law. Um, but I've gotten into property law recently and I like that a lot. Okay. Do you ever chase an ambulance or two? No, no, I, 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 I don't. Um, there's a lot of good lawyers out there who work in personal injury law. And yeah. you know, there's some people who do advertisements where it's a little cheesy. And I think those like are- who? 
I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Salamon and Salamon. We know. I'm not going to say it, but there's a lot of people out there, a lot of good lawyers who get justice for their clients and don't have cheesy commercials. Yeah. You know? yeah I don't even remember. I remember the commercials, but I don't even know who they're for, but like, yeah. no, but bam. Yeah. Trantolo and Trantolo. <laughs> yeah, I know, who knows? Well, listen, if you ever want a cheesy commercial, Rich and I'd be happy to make yeah. one for you. <laughs> we could do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could totally do it. At this point, it. I'm okay. And oh, do you work for, for a firm or are you just your own private? Solo practitioner. Okay. Um, so when I got out of law school, I interned at the, not interned, I was a law clerk in the Rhode Island Supreme Court clerk department. And kind of learn the ropes about how it works for a year, writing decisions for judges. How does it work? Um, you know, a lot of it is, so how does it work? You, whoever makes the bit best argument should win, right? But there's a lot of things about like, you need to be, you need to have good relationships with the people in the courthouse who file the papers. You need to have good relationships with the, the sheriffs because they can give you information about when your client's being brought over from the ACI. So a lot of it is is relationships, but when it comes down to the legal um, battle about like a legal decision, relationships really don't matter. It's about who makes the best argument. Right, right. But, so there's the practical end, and then there's the you know the theoretical, the philosophical end of things. Like you got to know the guys who make things the nuts and bolts. The and then you also have to be able to swim with the the big fish who are the thinkers, I guess. Yeah. So like the judge isn't going to, if you're a, a nice lawyer, it's not going to affect the judge's decision about, you know, the case. Yeah. But like, if you're a nice lawyer, you can learn that, okay, I got to file this or I can call this clerk who I, I know is, is great at getting something filed properly and, and they can give me a hand or they can point me in the right direction. Yeah. So I guess like the, the nuts and bolts relationships matter, but I think in the end it's uh, whoever makes the best argument. You know, you deal with the judge and, and, and they're focused on the best argument. And that's the whole thing. You would think the law is the law. It's spelled out. But there's a lot of gray areas, you know, that based on each person's individual scenario and, you know, and that, interpretations where, of and the interpretations laws, of the laws and, you know, and interpretations of facts. Right. Yeah. It's like, we all know how facts are these days. Yeah, well, I mean, it, two people have competing stories and who do you believe? You know, a lot of the times, you know, the truth is sometimes in the middle. Um, but, you know, it's, it's easier sometimes to figure out what the law is than to figure out what the hell happened in a dispute. And yeah, that, yeah. that's where the best lawyering, I think, comes in, is you know viewing the facts and presenting the facts in a way that's beneficial to their client. Because we have an adversari- adversarial process, right? So you, you have two litigants, and the lawyers are supposed to argue as best as possible for their client and you know, make the best argument, and then the judge is supposed to say, okay, you know, this is what I think is fair. This is how, how I think these facts apply to the law. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. That's so good to hear the inside scoop on that. I know. Yeah. Politics seems to be such a nebulous and like, just for me anyways, because I'm stupid. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's just how it all works and and, and who you got to know. And I mean, in and, and Rhode Island, how do you find politics in Rhode Island? Because, I mean, notoriously, every, you know, the word on the street, the rumor, you know, Rhode Island's a corrupt state. And, uh, you know, have you run into any situations where you're like... Geez, I wish I didn't know that or have to deal with that. No, I got to be honest with you. I haven't. I haven't. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in politics and I'm trying to defend it. Like, I thought before I got up there that, you know, it would be the reason things happen were because of, you know, brown bags filled with cash. And yeah. That's the conception. That's a general uh, conception. But it's easy like. for it's easy for anyone to make an accusation and it's reported as right. an accusation, the, whatever the word they use is. Um but that's all it takes is sometimes right. and then it's, the it just court of an, public opinion. Certain takes accusations over. will get a teacher 
destroyed and out of a school, even if it's not true. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's what happens. Especially is, these you know, days more than ever, I feel like. Yeah. But I, I, I haven't seen anything where I think there's illegal corruption. There's plenty of legal corruption. And legal corruption is, you know, passing a law to benefit a buddy. It doesn't mean that there was an exchange of value for that law, but a lot of it is relationship based. The old old boy network. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of old boy network that goes on. It's not illegal. It's not right. But there's a lot of I call legal corruption going on. Such as loopholes, you know, basically when you're dealing with your taxes that you're doing something legal, but it's a loophole like you're you're kind of, you know. And not you, but you know, <laughs> one, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one might, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, before we get too far uh, off of Block Island, um, I'm gonna tell you this much I was a cook at Finn's when Ballard's burned down and we got destroyed because you know, the, it wasn't like today with the internet where everybody knew everything about everything going on and hundreds of people would come off that boat and see Ballard's gone and didn't know what to do, and uh. they, so they would just go right for Finn's and. I'll never forget just the massive onslaught of cooking that summer because Ballard's was, you know, your, your neighbor who probably serves 10 times as many people a day as, uh, as we did is gone. You know yeah. what I mean? And people still got off the boat, but, and you know, they, they, uh, you know, they have their routine. I used to go in my favorite memory of Ballard's was I was underage. Don't worry. It's not going in a bad place. But we could go in the lobby, and they had just gotten like the Pac-Man table machine. Oh, that thing? <laughs> Those like, were the yeah. best. The you sit know? down. Yeah, and we used to. Oh, I just love that we could sit there, and then through the door, you could hear. Uh, uh, who was the Jim? Who was the big? The, did he play the trombone? The, who was the main act there? Jim for a Kelly. Long time? Jim, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly yeah. was on the the piano. Uh, yeah. Oh, the pianist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they'd have the band on the stage behind him, and, yeah. but he was a fixture. Oh, he was. Yeah. yeah. And people would flock in there to see him, you know? I mean, it was just yeah. crazy. And he passed away in 2004. Yeah. That was, uh, I'm still friends with his grandson, me, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan. RPK. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, funny. I never knew that connection. Yeah, that's his grandfather. Get out of here. was his grandfather, yeah. yeah. Jim Kelly. Yeah. There's a long tradition. I mean, be, I'm a piano player myself, and, you know, I'm kind of like, there's Billy Stubbs and Jim Kelly are the two names that keep coming up. Billy Stubbs played over at Dead Eyes and Jim Kelly was the Ballard's guy. Yeah. And those guys are like iconic Block Island musicians yeah. from back in the day. So you had a Pac-Man machine as a kid. How my, Your <laughs> friends must have loved you. Oh, man, my favorite day was when the, the video game guys would come out and open up. <laughs> you know, and I'd just be there when they opened up the bottom, like, give me quarters. Yeah, yeah. Right? It was like crack cocaine for a little kid to play my, video games My dad day. said to give me his half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, it's cool. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll give it to I'm him. I'm supposed to bring these up to the office. Yeah. yeah, and then my brothers and I would just play video games every day uh, uh, when those guys showed up. And you have, so you have two brothers. Two brothers. There's Paul is your older brother. They're both older. Oh, you're the youngest. I'm the youngest. Oh, I thought you were the middle. Nope. Okay, nope. so that- Stephen's the middle. Stephen's the middle. Yeah. Okay, all right. And your mom's name is- Marion. Yeah, okay. And she's still with us. Yes. I know that. Okay. Um, so you're working at Ballard's um, in your teenage years, and when did, when did you, well, obviously you went to college, and that ended that, but- um, Coming back, did you like work out here during the summers in college still? Or yeah, you... in college, definitely. In okay. college, I, I did uh, during law school. I I did legal work on the mainland, but I would still come out here. Yeah, um, as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. as much as possible. And um, then that takes us to probably two thousand and seven. So, yeah, so I graduated law school in two thousand and seven. Okay, and then w- when when did you? 
make this decision, hey, you know, I think politics might be something I want to pursue? I think it was in 2012, I started working for this group called the 10th Amendment Center, and they were really working against what was called the 2012 National Defense Authorization Act, and that was a, a law passed by Congress which purported to allow the president of the United States to indefinitely detain American citizens without trial or charge. And uh, also to practice what's called extraordinary rendition, which is to take uh, a United States citizen out of the jurisdiction of the United States to a foreign country, most likely CIA black site. Mm -hmm. And so I hooked up with this group and we started working with individual states to pass laws to try to nullify that federal law to say no state facilities, no state agents may aid in the enforcement of the National Defense Authorization Act as it relates to the indefinite detention of U.S. citizens and even non-citizens. But anyone domestically we feel is entitled to due process. And we had a lot of success with that. And I saw that maybe the way to make things better is uh, getting involved on the state level and use the power of the states to stand up to a federal government that sometimes goes awry. And so what was your first, when did, where did you first throw your hat in the ring? On what level? Was uh, it right in the Senate? Right in the state representative. Right in the uh, rep, right. To, yep, I declared in June of 2014 and uh, had a, a pretty vigorous campaign against the, the incumbent who had been there. And uh, we ended up winning. And it, uh, it, was, it was fascinating running for office. We could talk about that process because that is always fascinating me. Yeah, like, you know. Where do you start? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you I, make a website, you print brochures, and you go knock on doors. That's it, right? I mean, that's the good thing about Rhode Island is that our representative districts are about fourteen thousand five hundred people. So if you work hard, you can knock on everyone's door in a good four month period. And knocking on doors is the best thing that I've ever done. I have to be honest because when you knock on people's doors, you realize that ninety percent of people are pretty cool. And most people get along. Yeah. And the crap you see on TV is not reflective of the greater society. Yeah. I'd have to mm. agree with you. No, yeah, most they, people are pretty They have a reverse cool. filter yeah. of, uh, they filter out a lot of good stuff. Oh, you hate that. each other. No one gets yeah. along. Country uh, divided. Yeah. It's not the case. Right. It isn't the case. No. Even with people who, you know, would be perceived as, you know, I'm a Republican, right? And they would be, I'm a, kind of more of a libertarian, not a traditional Republican, but it's perceived that, you know, people on the far left side of the spectrum, like we couldn't agree. Some of my best friends in the assembly are progressives. <laughs> Some of my best friends are progressives. Yeah, yeah, no, but they are. They're my best <laughs> friends. Sure. And, 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 yeah. and people I work with, you know, to, to promote privacy issues or reform to uh, the way we uh, look at drugs in this state mm -hmm. are people who are progressives. And there's a lot of alliances that are made between people who, you know, are considered conservative and uh, people who are considered liberals. And when you first ran, were you running as a Republican or a, as a libertarian? So I was actually an independent when I first ran. Independent. I'd been a Republican and then I went to the Republican National Convention in 2012 and just left with a like a sick feeling in my stomach, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I went there with the Ron Paul delegation because, you know, we're kind of libertarian. We believe the government should stay out of your bedroom and your wallet. And the way that the National Party treated a bunch of young people who wanted to get involved was abhorrent. And so I unaffiliated and then ran as an independent. And once I got into the assembly, I started working with a lot of Democrats and Republicans. And I saw that Republicans in the state are really the party of good government. They're fighting against, you know, kind of that legal corruption we talked about earlier. And how are you feeling about the Republican Party as a whole right now? On the state level or national level? National. National level. You know, I think the implication is Donald Trump, right? Like, how do I feel about what's happened since Donald Trump? That would be my question. Yeah, sure. I think on the national level, both parties in many respects don't have the best interests of the people of the state 
um, the people of the country in mind. You know, they fight over all these things that seem like red meat and get us distracted. But, you know, are they stopping our imperialist foreign policy? Are they stopping the the dilution of our monetary supply in terms of by inflating the currency? Like things that I think have a real deep effect on our day-to-day lives um, that both parties agree on, no one really talks about. You know, they fight over these things that, you know, get people really worked up. But I, yeah. know, I almost feel a lot of it on the national level, level is theater. Yeah. Um, and you do have to make the distinction, like you asked me, is are you talking about state level or national? Because it, it, you're saying what I'm gleaning is that you're saying it's a different story on the state level, maybe? Totally. Okay. How oh, so? Uh, on the state level, the Republican Party is the party of good government. And our state level is different than other states. I mean, you know, somebody pointed out to me once, I don't know if it's fact, so you know the routine. I may not know what I'm talking about, but- there are school systems in Texas that are bigger than our state, yeah. you know, and yeah. yet we're divided up into all these little school systems. And, you know, it's kind of like this, you know, it's, it's like the small town thing, only a small state thing. And, you know, you know, it's a very people take it very much to heart and want to protect their little areas and stuff. So, I mean, it's state level in Rhode Island is different than state level in, say, California or Texas. Even, you know, I think that's probably in the middle between, you know, the size wise and, and the battles you have to go through, you know, compared to. I think Trump got in because people were so ready for something different. You they know, wanted that, someone to blow it up. Yeah, yeah they wanted the yeah. swamp drained. You know, I like to say it's the, hey, let's show you how. And I, uh, uh, straight up, I voted for him. Um, and that was it. It wasn't a it wasn't a vote for him. It was a vote against the opponents. You know what I yeah. mean? It was, that's really what it came down to for me. I was like, let's if it, even if it comes down to let's just show everybody how bad it can be if we don't find. <laughs> what I'm disappointed in is is the lack of, um, you know, the ability to come up with better candidates at that level. What do you think you know? after January sixth? Were you did you stand by your vote after the Capitol? I didn't condone it. Um, but you know what? That's happened in every country everywhere. It's, it's how this country was formed. Yeah, you but we're I mean? supposed to be the best. Yeah, says who? You're, are you brainwashed into thinking that? Me? Yeah. No, I've never thought that. <laughs> well, I don't either. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. I mean, it, it's not, it's never right to, to, you know, in this day and age, we don't use violence in any capacity to get our point across. There's plenty of other systems to do that through. But so, yeah, no, I don't think so. But I also don't think that was specifically, um, there was no battle plan drawn out by someone, you know. You sure? I'm pretty sure. Mm, okay. I mean, I, I I like to throw a couple things out there. Please. But, um, do it. Oh, you're here. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, you're the expert. Don't <laughs> hey, listen to us two idiots. Yeah, I know. One of the good things about Donald Trump is you, at the very beginning, spoke about skeletons in the closet. If that guy can win the presidency, the, the, <laughs> yeah. it's open. Like one of the good things I think about. Do you see it, that as a good thing? No, I think you know, let's talk about a positive that has come out of Donald Trump. And I think that many people can run for office who maybe before Donald Trump couldn't. You know, the guy was deeply flawed and he was able to win the presidency. And I think in a way it has opened the door to a lot of people who maybe have a skeleton in their closet to say, you know what, I can contribute. Because I don't like the notion that you have to have to have led a perfect life in order to run right. for office. Yeah. And I think it excludes a lot of really good perspectives if if that is kind of out there in the ether. Like you can never mess up. Nobody if you've ever messed up, then you can't run for office. And frankly, people who have never messed up scare the hell out of me. Right. And they're either lying or they're weird. I mean, people should be allowed to change. And that's the bottom line is, you know, I say what you want, but someone at age 60 something they did unless it was extremely terrible when they were 20 years old or 25 even whatever pick a number 
you know, it's not like, oh, I did that last month. I'm different now. That's yeah, not true. Totally. But come on, who wasn't one person in college and a different person when they're a grandfather? You know what I mean? And I mean, maybe that grandpa would be a great president. But if you talk about what he did in college here and there, you might be like, well, it sounds a little shady to me. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I think the Trump thing was um, the other thing that was good was he was the first one in a long time at that level of politics. What you saw was what you got. There was yeah. no, you know. Wow, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Be it good or bad, like he said, it it showed that hey, you don't have to be flawless to win win a position and and contribute. Yeah, and this isn't a ringing endorsement of the Trump presidency. I'm trying to say like, okay, what's a positive that came out of it? Um, One thing with Donald Trump that I I don't think enough people talk about, you know, when you read the constitutional duties of the president, the the paramount duty is war and peace, international relations, and I I was distraught for a long time about our imperialist method of international relations under Bush, under Obama, about starting wars, starting wars without congressional approval. And all the absurdity that Donald Trump did domestically, from my perspective, I think is outweighed by not going to war um, during his presidency. You think that's all outweighed? All of his domestic blunders are outweighed just because of that? I think uh, the obscenity uh, the obscenities that happen domestically from him, yeah. I think, aren't as obscene as what we've done in the Middle East since 2001. You know, like what, what's more obscene, bombing weddings or, you know, grabbing people by the pussy? I'm not going to say, say that, but OK, yeah. 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 What's, what's more obscene? You know, saying something that abhorrent and awful yeah. and it should be condemned by everybody. Is that more obscene than a foreign policy, which killed half a million Iraqis. What's more obscene? Yeah, well death is certainly more obscene. And and I and that's how I kind of looked at it with him and and I hate I hated the rhetoric. I hated all the crap. But when the most important thing that a president does, everything else is mostly Congress. When you read the Constitution, all the laws, all the the regulatory state, everything is set up by Congress. The president's job is number one job is war and peace. And you had a guy who said, I want to take the troops out of the Middle East. I'm not going to start wars. And he actually did it. I think he would have been the great president if he was a mute with no fingers. Yeah, he just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, if he didn't talk so much and constantly tweeting and stuff. Yeah, like and that. so that foreign policy is something that I looked at and I'm like, oh man, I hate all the other crap, but the foreign policy is something that I think we had gone, we've done a lot of bad things in the past 20 years with foreign policy, and that really is the most important job of a president. And I was happy that he ran on saying we're not getting into any more wars, and he didn't do it. So I'm going to fess up right away that i don't know that much about uh, how government works you know i i like to have opinions and be that guy but i just don't really Same. understand it yeah so are you still the the leader of your of the republicans the minority you're leader the yeah. house minority whip house minority. no i'm the, yeah. you're the leader i was the whip i'm the leader you were the whip what's a whip yeah. so the, the whip is the number two and the whip's job is to whip votes is and to, did you get that because of your experience with horses <laughs> it certainly helped <laughs> it certainly helped animal abuse <laughs> i know abuse. how to control large beasts yeah. You have to whip them, then they, then you yeah. can milk your horse. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so the job of the whip is essentially to be like, I don't want to say the enforcer, but you know, you are supposed to be there to argue points of order. You're supposed to be there to control your caucus and also to make sure like your caucus, uh, their priorities are advanced. And so I did that from 2016 to 2018. And then after the 18 election, I was uh, nominated as the, the minority leader. And how's that going for you? 
it's great. Yeah, it's great. And so, what do you? What does a minority leader do? You bring forth the the general so that everybody's not talking at once. The the Republicans meet, discuss things, and then you bring it forward. You're like the the representatives of the representatives. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So I I advocate on behalf of the caucus um, in the media and with the Speaker of the House and with the majority leader. And we all work together. A lot of times we work together. Sometimes we can't and we have to battle things out on the floor. But there's a lot of procedural things that the minority leader has power over in our rules um, about how things proceed on the floor. And that's a great job. I'm kind of a wonk when it comes to rules and procedure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And if you know the rules and procedure, you can be effective at uh, advancing debate or stopping debate that shouldn't happen. Um, and then you're also the essentially a, kind of, the, I don't say the spokesperson, but yeah, the spokesperson for, for the caucus. And wow. that's something I relish. Yeah. And so what's next? Like, where do you go from here? You're a, sta- you're a state rep. You're the House Minority Leader. What's next for you if I- you- I have no idea. I may, I may retire. I may keep going. I may run for another office. Yeah. I, I don't know. Governor, governor Filippi. I, I, that, that is a position which you get nailed to the cross just trying to get there. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so at this point. Um, I don't know. You know, people in this business who have five-year plans, I think are nuts. Yeah. I think people who have five-year plans in general are kind of nuts. It's never works. Nobody's where they want to, where they think they're going to be. If you ask me today, where am I in five years? Never going to be in that. I don't think it's the worst day to have a plan. Just don't be so, (laughs) you know, stuck to it. Don't be chained to it. Don't go down. If if your plan goes down, don't go down with it like an anchor. You've got to bob and weave and duck and shuck and jive. Yeah. But but like a a five-year plan in your personal life, I think is different than like, oh, you know, five or 10-year plan in politics. It's like, you know, in politics, it's like uh, the ambitious politicians, I think we all should be a little weary of. I am. Yeah. Me I'm too. Super leery of most politicians, I guess. But I mean, I guess that's the other thing, which is like not right because you're a politician and I think you're, I love you, man. I think you're great and well spoken and everything I've ever, anytime I've seen you in the media or speaking about something, you're like, you're, but I know you, but I, that helps. You know, it's just, you're one of these guys who, I feel like we talked about it before with Allie yes. Kylie when Dick Kylie was the first warden here. Yeah. And we were saying, you know, everyone loved Dick. Dick was the kind of guy who just got things done and made people come together. And that's a sense I get from you is what I'm saying. So Dick was a know. great guy. Yeah, he I, really was. I know? get a sense of sincerity, whether I see you on the, on the news, on a show or in person, you just, you know, that that's the difference. Like there's certain politicians or people in your position that, you can, I, I just feel they're so phony. Like they really are. And I think you just, you sincerely have good behind you is what your goal is. And I mean, I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm, I'm serious about that. Uh, you know, I've always been proud to hear you speak, you know, that's, that's a good thing, you know, yeah. because thanks man. And you have to schmooze a little, everybody, like I said, schmoozing is a great thing. Cause you know what? You want to get things done. You want to convince people that to look at it from your side, a little schmoozing's involved, but it can't be such a phony schmooze that it's not. You can just tell the minute they, they walk out the door, like, yeah, screw that. Up. Yeah. You want to uh, wash your hands. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure at times you have to turn that politician knob up to 11, right? When, when you're talking to someone who, you're just completely at ideological odds with and don't you sometimes have to put the big smile on and shake their hand anyway at the end and yeah but i don't think i i think you can do that from an authentic place i think you can like 
at least I try when I can't agree with someone is to at least have an understanding with someone. And if yeah. I can come away and I understand their perspective and they understand mine and we don't agree, you can like leave with mutual respect. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, the hardest things sometimes in being a politician is that, you know, you, you have to be positive. I think you, it's like your job to be positive. And, yeah. and, and sometimes like in your own personal life, if like, you know, everyone has bad days, right? It's just the nature of being human. Oh yeah. Is that you, you, really have to try and like not bring those bad days into your work. And that's one of the things I find the most challenging sometimes is, yeah. you know, if you're stressed out or, you know, you have a business issue or you have a client that pissed you off or a family issue is that like, you have to be able to separate that from your public service in order to be an effective public servant. Yeah. And I, I find that's the thing that, that is the most challenging. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned family issues now, a little while back it, you were in a publicized dispute with members of your family. Um, I believe it was you and your brother, Paul on one side and, and Steve and your mom on the other side. Um, how's that going? Are you, are you guys, is that resolved? Are you guys? Nope. There's, okay. there's no more dispute. We all kind of went our separate ways. It was very unfortunate. Um, so what's your relationship with Steve and your mom now? Is it? So I'm not really going to get into that type of family, okay. that, that type of family relationship. Sure. Um, from a business perspective, there's really no longer a relationship. Okay. Um, you know, Paul and I have our, you know, kind of have our own thing. They have their own thing and, you know, we're separate. Um, you'd spoke about Ballard's a lot earlier. I'm no longer involved with Ballard's. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you which, miss that at all? Was that, that must've been a little bit tough. Yeah. In a way, I think it's, I think it's tough to like no longer be involved with it, but for a lot of reasons, it's, it's the right, it was the right thing for Paul and me at the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, of course. It was like my father's legacy and all that. But, uh, you know, yeah. that, and, and it happens to all families, so many of them. You know, you sometimes it's just as simple as a property on Block Island. And, you know, the, the grandmother bought it and their two kids use it as a summer cottage with their families. And then there's the next level and they start to, it happened to my family. You know, my family um, had the had the little homestead and for the longest time, certain everybody was happy crowding yeah. in there and jamming in and then all of a sudden you know somebody had a different idea and and you know they wanted they said well listen it's time to do something different let's just have um why don't we divide the summer up into weeks we yeah. want to have a week to ourselves here we don't want to be crowded with everybody and everybody else was like what and i mean unfortunately it drove people apart some of them sold their property on the island and just said i don't want anything to do with it and i think they reflect back now and have, yeah. have same sentiments yeah. you know and it just it happens no matter is it you know. difficult uh to be in the public eye and you know have have to answer questions like from jerks like me about that this, kind is, of stuff? this is probably one of the first times i've been asked about it on well uh, you know one of, the, it <laughs> well, one of the things you know and blake i'm certainly not trying to muckrake or you know stir the pot but you know one of the things we like to do on the podcast is try and ask people questions that we know everyone here is thinking or wondering about and uh you know so that's why i asked that yeah I hope, yeah you know, no, no, I, i'm not rubbed the wrong way i mean it was in the it was in the black island times well that's why and know? that's the other thing if this was something that yeah, wasn't publicized i never would ask yeah but yeah I and mean, if it's in the black island times like, well it, it must was... be true yeah, if, like, <laughs> face, like facebook right and yeah. most importantly accurate yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, either way, at any rate, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, but I'm glad that you guys are both, uh, both parties are on their own paths yeah, and, now and, and things are amicable. moving forward. Yeah. Good, yeah. There's good. no more fighting. Everything's hey, amicable. And you know, know we have our businesses. And you and they Paul have now have, and there's lots of time left. 
You never know where things. You never go. know. You're you right. know. That's you it. never know. Yeah. And the again, one of the upshots, one of the pluses, is that now you and Paul have the manises. Exactly. And so that's your baby now. Exactly. And now you you guys are are the stewards of yet another Block Island institution. Another legacy going back, you know, even before Joan Abrams. Yeah. Um, and we love it. We love it. We, this year we're we're working with uh, you know Kimberly from yeah uh, Kimberly. I just heard this. Yeah, yeah, this is true. It's confirmed. It's, it's confirmed. Oh. Breaking news. No. So Boom. she so she she's taken over the Great. food beverage operations and she is awesome. Yeah, she is and, awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're really excited about that. That's great. Well, you guys have done a great job with the place. I mean, it looks fantastic. And I mean, thank you. Full respect to the Drapers who are running it. Um, but I mean, I could never stand the wallpaper in that place. So I'm glad you got rid of the wallpaper. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest. I live under a rock because, you know, like Mark's last question about the, you know, you and now you with the, I, I didn't know who was running what. I had no idea. You know. Yeah. I, most I, people like probably I didn't know, just a nosy shit. Well, yeah. you know, this is the, the point of the pod. I guess. <laughs> you learn a little bit yeah, about yeah. who's doing what. And, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I had no idea. So you're, you're in the Manatees. Uh, and have you in, I, so I guess they're not going to run the oyster bar down at uh, Champlain's this year. No, 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 okay. they're not. Because that would be a lot. Yeah, that would be a lot. Three restaurants. Oh, but she cool. could do it. She's a ball she of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, if anybody could. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know how. And then catering on top of it all, you know? Yeah. That's, and are you uh, are you and Paul kind of breathing a sigh of relief to not have to deal with the restaurant aspect anymore? Yeah, in a way. Yeah. You know, there's there's always trade-offs, right? Sure. Um, but in a, in a way, I think, think we're happy to have someone there who... You know, as an operator who has a lot of island connections and and makes a great product. Yeah. You know, our our biggest concern is always keeping the legacy alive. As you said, we're stewards for an institution, yeah. and we just want to make sure that you know it that continues. How old is that building? You have any idea? I believe it was uh, Pam Gasner. Don't correct me. She I think, will. She will. She will. <laughs> I think it was the eighteen sixty nine or eighteen seventy nine. And her bones are good. Yeah. Good bones. Bo- good, good bones. Good bones. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what, what else should we know about the Manatees? Anything else you want to tell our listeners about uh, in terms of just, just you know, promote the place. Tell yeah, us a little bit more about it. It's beautiful. The rooms are gorgeous. We fully renovated it. Um, we're building a uh, an area on the property for our for our, our milk cows now you might see the fences going up oh i did ah. i wondered about that yeah, yeah. right all the way down to the empire theater exactly yep. so we're gonna okay. have our horses and uh and cows in there um we need a separate area because we've we've had a baby recently and he's trying to make love to his mother and so we got it we got a separate so we're talking you're not talking about you you're talking about the animal yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So the baby cow like, thanks for clarifying yeah, that yeah 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 just like hi I'd like you to meet our son Oedipus um, edit cut that yeah. cut please cut, hold on mm-hmm. so so yeah yeah so you you need to be able to separate your animals so um yeah we're putting a bunch of cows in there over at the Manatees and it's beautiful so you're going to have like raw milk on the menu no well you can't legally you can't. sell raw milk but if you want to buy some for your dog you can buy some Gotcha. Oh, excellent. I see. Yeah, but we're I, gonna, we're, I got a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a dog, but yep. you, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have like it's kids can come over, meet the cows. But you can sell your mozzarella. No, you still can't. It's not pasteurized. Uh, I can just give it give it to you guys. Uh, or maybe right. trade it for something else. You yeah. Know? Well, you know, yeah. I, I I've I never think, said no to free mozzarella. Is there any laws working on getting that 
So you can sell raw milk? Yeah, I have a law, uh, a bill in right now to legalize the the sale of raw milk. Like I think about forty other states. And obviously, you're not going to make some massive profit off raw milk. You're, but you're doing it because it's a good thing for some people. To yeah, get yeah, their hands it's, on it's it. the yeah. right thing. Yeah. It's the right thing. And you know, the, the, you said I'm not going to make a big profit. We have uh, with our ethics in the state, you have something called a class exemption. If you're part of a broad class, it's they don't view it yeah. as unethical to put in a bill. Um, personally, I just see it as a superfood. And it's, I, it's, that's what I was saying. Yeah, you're I not want, trying to put in a bill for a new casino that you're yeah, investing in. Yeah, a new casino on Black Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the Manistees. No, no, it's because I see it as a, a great like way to be healthy for families, and I think they should enjoy it like mine does. Yeah, that's great. Well, speaking of um, you know profiting off of things, um, we should probably take a little break and talk to uh, hear from some of oh, our yeah. sponsors. Right, let's do it. We'll be right back. One minute. All right, here's a great activity you don't want to miss on your next visit to Block On. Exploring the Great Salt Pond in a kayak from Fort Island Kayaks. The Great Salt Pond is one of Block Island's true gems, and I would say one of the most beautiful harbors in all of New England. Now, I know I said kayak, but Fort Island Kayaks has stand-up paddle boards, Hobie pedal boards, as well as kayaks in all different sizes. I'm pretty sure they've even added the triple-seater and a peekaboo glass-bottom kayak. You can rent by the hour, half-day, full-day, or even an entire week. Explore the hidden coves of the pristine inner ponds. Find your own little spot to take a dip or soak up some sun. There's spectacular scenery around every bend, and you will get some views of the island that you really can't see any other way. Whether you're flying solo or with the whole family, make sure this is one on your to-do list. Oh yeah, here's a tip. If your group is six or more, you definitely want to reserve in advance. Fort Island Kayaks is operated by our friends over at Block Island Fishworks and is located right next door. For rates, availability, and reservations, visit their website at bifishworks.com or give them a call at 401-466-5392. So, Mark, I wonder if that glass bottom kayak, you could find maybe Captain Kidd's treasure or something. Ooh, that's exciting, right? You could uh, turn your afternoon into a treasure hunt. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Those pedal boards look really cool, too. A bicycle on the water. What will they think of next? Ugh, modern science. Yellow Kittens Tavern began as a Prohibition-era speakeasy, and the fun has not stopped since. Kittens is the perfect post-beach stopover. In fact, it's so close you can walk straight there from your beach chair. With a shaded deck offering breathtaking views of Crescent Beach, Los Gatitos Mexican Restaurant at the Kittens is famous for fresh Tex-Mex, amazing nachos, margaritas, and the iconic Block Island frozen mudslide. Would you rather eat on the beach? Place your takeout order online at yellowkittens.com or by calling 401-466-5855. Open for lunch at 11.30 until 7.30. In season, the deck fun continues until 9.30 with live entertainment and small plates available. At night, the Yellow Kittens Tavern is the spot to listen to great live music, gather with friends, and socialize. For info on live music and the infamous Wednesday night DJ dance party, visit yellowkittens.com. Block Island's longest-running night spot and favorite Mexican restaurant, Yellow Kittens Tavern, located just past the Four Corners on Corneck Road. I love hanging out on the deck at Yellow Kittens in the afternoon. The frozen margaritas there are amazing. I don't know what they do. They they have the machine there, right? But they're great. Uh, you know, that sounds awesome, but nights are fun too, you know? When they've got the live band playing and you're drinking and having fun with your friends. I mean, that place, one word, rocking. Winfields offers a sophisticated and flavorful menu influenced by French, Italian, and new American and Asian cuisines, all brought to you by the masterful hand of executive chef Burke Marier. All of Burke's creations and menu items can be summed up with two words, simply elegant. 
Winfield's menu is meticulously constructed and features farm-raised beef and poultry alongside fresh local vegetables, all perfectly prepared with tasteful creativity. Small plates and salads are part of Winfield's fusion menu featuring seafood, beef, lamb, and vegetarian items. Pair all of it with affordable, buy-the-glass wine offerings from Winfield's curated wine list and enjoy top-notch service courtesy of Winfield's knowledgeable and friendly waitstaff. The dining room at Winfield's is intimate yet comfortably elegant, which means it's perfect for a casual night out or a special family event. Date night with your sweetheart? Winfield's Lounge is the perfect place to enjoy a drink, appetizer, or a full meal in a mellow and friendly environment. Reservations are recommended, so visit winfieldsbi.com to reserve a table online or call 401-466-5856 after 5 p.m. Located adjacent to Yellow Kittens on Corn Neck Road. Do you know what I love at Winfield's is the pimento cheese tenderloin. It's going to be hard to swear me. I'm a lobster mac and cheese man. Ooh, that's good too. Who wouldn't love to live on Block Island? It's like a little slice of heaven right here on Earth. So whether you're looking to get away or considering making Block Island your home, be sure to stop by Lila Delman Compass and say hello to Rosemary. She and her dedicated team can help find the perfect home to suit your new island lifestyle. Lila Delman Compass has a long history and legacy across the state of Rhode Island as being the top real estate firm for over 57 years. So far this year, they are the number one firm on Block Island, leading the luxury real estate market statewide. Rosemary Tobin of Lila Delman Compass is ranked as the number one agent on the island this year. From selling the highest priced property on the island to helping first-time visitors find the perfect rental, Rosemary does it all. The next time you get off the ferry, stop by their office on Dodge Street around the corner from the National Hotel. They're knowledgeable team is happy to answer any questions about the island and help with any of your real estate needs. You know, Mark, I got to say so many people ask me about Santa Block Island and I tell them, you know, one of the best experiences is renting a house. Absolutely. Know? Come out with your family and uh, just spend the week. There's nothing better. Yeah. And it's great to split a nice big home with a couple of families, good friends. And even though uh, I'm still a few years away from being able to afford a house on Block Island, when I am, I'm going straight to Lila Delman. <laughs> So back to my lack of knowledge on how government works. Um, what was it? What, what was it like? Were you shocked when? So our president here in Rhode Island, in case you're listening from a foreign country, um, selected our governor to move on up to what is she in charge of commerce? Or Secretary of Commerce. Secretary of Commerce. Big honor, I guess. Yeah. I kind of felt okay. I'm going to tell you how I feel. So Gina Raimondo is her name. Didn't like her. I didn't like her personally. Um, however remarkable leader during the pandemic. I thought she did a, I thought she did a really good job. My opinion as an outside guy on block Island, you know? Um, but then I kind of felt like quickly abandoned. Just, you didn't hear another word from her. I mean, maybe that's part of the protocol when you get called up to the big leagues. Uh, so what was it like having a governor just go bye-bye and a new governor taking over without an election process or anything? Well, I mean, it's why we have a Lieutenant governor. Um, I think it's good for the state of Rhode Island that our United States Secretary of Commerce is Gina Raimondo. Yeah. And I think it's good. Hopefully with, you know, where where's this contract going to go? It should go to a Rhode Island company. Like, who knows? Yeah. It can't hurt us that she's there. She's clearly a competent leader. Um, and she did do a great job during the pandemic. You know, we have a lieutenant governor and used to be Dan McKee, who's now the governor for yep. this reason. Um, and he seems great, too. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's great. You know. He's he's focused on the hospitality industry, which is important. Yeah, you know? he's uh, he. 
he was always in the background. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like funny when somebody comes to the surface all of a sudden and I was like, oh God. Who's this guy? Yeah, who's the, this is the guy on the bench all the time. Like, we're putting Louie in. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, Louie? Where, who's Louie? Oh, that guy? That and, guy? You know. And then he came out and I thought he really, you know, blossomed well into the role. I thought he did it so far so good. It's just tough. We can't call him Lieutenant Dan anymore. Oh. Is that what you used to call him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did he know this? You know, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan, Dan McKee, Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee. You call him Lieutenant Dan? Um, Not in a pejorative way. Not to way. his face. <laughs> <laughs> but we always, we always got along. I always had good. a lot of respect for him and I think he's doing a great job and um, we'll see. I mean, he took, he took the reins at the right time. You know, the vaccine distribution's going well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. The, the pandemic is kind of on the backside. So he really came in an opportune time. And I think he's done a great job mobilizing the state to get the, the vaccine out to people. Um, here, yeah. here in Block Island, we have a higher percent than every other town vaccinated. We, uh, where on Block Island? On Block Island. We have the oh. highest percent of residents vaccinated in the state. Well, we tend to, I think. It's probably a good thing given our lack of accessibility to emergency rooms and things like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. But he recognized yeah. that. And that's yeah. the point. And, that's and really so, and, and, and he made sure the vaccines got out here, but also the people on the island did one hell of a job getting it done. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything to do with it, but it seems like the state keeps an eye on us and takes pretty good care of us. Uh, there's so. a lot of people looking at it. Yeah, I think, I think they get the isolation dynamic for several aspects, you know. Um, Plus, I think it's probably wise to keep it as a, it probably generates some money for the state. So it's a good, <laughs> yeah. safe uh, place, good place to keep safe and open. Yeah, they don't can. want a super spreader event out here. <laughs> no, you don't want to <laughs> shut down, uh, you know, something that generates uh, through people's love of coming here a good amount of money. So what happens next? No, but there's going to be a new election for governor. No, so no, he just comes in and finishes out Gina Raimondo's term. But it, when that term ends? 2022. The, it, is there a limited the term limit on governors in Rhode Island? Two terms of eight years, but he came in. So he, this he, doesn't count as his first term. It doesn't count as his first term. So that's what I was going to say. He could, so he, he, could could be, ten years. he could be a record breaker. Yeah, 10 years. If, if he gets elected. I mean, you got to have a lot of stamina to do 10 years in that job. I couldn't do one. <sighs> oh, imagine. I couldn't even imagine, you know. You know, like heavy as the crown. A whipping post just. Oof. Yeah. How do, you, uh, how do you feel about our local politics these days? How are things in your estimation going out here on Block Island? In in what aspect? Um, I guess like I don't know. Just generally speaking, like in terms of handling, uh, you know, everyone's up in arms about mopeds. Everyone's up in arms about uh, you know uh, crowding and congestion. Um, how do you think things are being handled out here? I think the island really needs to look at its congestion issues. I think it needs to look at its how people are moving around. You know, we've had traffic study after traffic study for years saying that you need to have some type of reform. You need to have maybe bike lanes. Sidewalks. You need to have more sidewalks. Yeah. And we're a tourist place and it's getting busier and busier. And I think we're, we've been behind the eight ball in dealing with uh, the amount of people that are here. Yeah, I, I don't understand how we do not have bike lanes on this island. I just don't. Well, one of the arguments, and maybe it's false, uh, was that it's, you know, I was told that in once you clear the way, an increased speed of traffic instead of having it be inconvenient to have to go slow and pass people walking and biking, your rate of accidents actually goes up. Uh, you know, you, you have more accidents because people are now feel free to drive faster. Whereas congestion, like, I don't know, almost nobody ever gets hurt downtown on a bike or a moped or a pedestrian, any of them. It's always in an area where it's wide open and somebody's going way too fast and misses the curve on a moped or, you know, a, a car's whipping along and comes around a curve and doesn't see someone standing there. So, I mean, I wonder sometimes if 
it might be an old mentality of thinking, but keep it clogged a little bit. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I think if you took our congestion problem and you said to Westerly, we have a bad congestion problem, they'd probably laugh at us when, you know, what we, you, you quoted, you got stuck just doing that 78 connector. Oh yeah. An hour yeah. One day. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it was all cars. I mean, here you yeah. have, you know, people walking, being passed by bikers, being passed by mopeders, being passed by cars. Well, I mean, I'll wake up in the middle of the winter sometimes in like a, a cold sweat, like dreaming about driving on Block Island. Yeah, it's true. It's a skill. I it was one of very rarely do you when you're teaching your child to drive in very few places. Do you have to include a lesson just on passing bikes and mopeds? Like, yeah. You know, you're teaching a 16 or a 17 year old. And I said, you know, and I said, I want you to start now while it's April and then we're going to drive right ease into it, you know, like because it's going to start to become more and more people. Yeah. I yeah. think we have to get the walkers and the bikers off the road. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I've um, always said it. I create said, a safe lane for them. I, I my idea was, you know, is there a way to do a? You know, we have a landing fee. You know, I don't, not really sure where it goes or what it's for. What's it for? Do you know? It's supposed to be to mitigate the impacts of tourism on the island. Okay, so I was wondering why there couldn't be like a bicycle fee. You know, so in other words, your the the boat collects it, or the moped or the rentals collect it. It's on top of your rental fee. There's a fifty cent fee, and once we build up enough, we pave two feet you know, on each side of the road for a mile. That's what we can get. I think it's a great idea. I mean, you know, let it pay for itself. Like it's, that's the people are coming here with, I think you should run for office. No, no, I'm going to dig a hole in the backyard and show you why I can't. No, um, (laughs) You know, after um, most of the roads out here are 40 foot uh, easement has been taken. So many of the shoulders you see are within the easement area of the town or the state. Yeah. There's room on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So there doesn't have to be a taking. You got 20. I'm pretty sure. And he, uh, Blake might correct me from the yellow line. The town, state slash town, can do whatever it wants 20 feet in each direction from the double yellow lines. Hmm. Yeah. And the current roads are only probably, what, 12? 12, 12, yeah. 13 feet wide. So there's so definitely got, leeway to play with that. Yeah, yeah. plenty of leeway. Yep. You know? So I see as a tourist island, I, I think we have to get in front of this. It's, you know, there's bike lines, lanes on the mainland that we use and they're wonderful. Yeah. They feel safe. Yeah. And they're everywhere. Every town has them now. I mean, it's green. We should be encouraging as a green town. We're environmental. So we should be encouraging people to ride bikes. If I had a kid out here, I wouldn't want them riding a bike. No. Yeah. Not during the summer anyway. No way. I see too many people make that bad call. It's not, it's not safe. Can we switch gears and can we get your take on the uh, Champlain's expansion that is now back on the table apparently, or they're still trying to, um, I guess it was settled, uh, Last month, I guess the Supreme Court said, no, it can't happen, but Champlin's is appealing it again. So, yeah. So my understanding, and it's complicated. It's gone. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. CRMC to Superior Court, right. to Supreme Court, back to yeah. CRMC, back to Superior Court, what, back to What CRMC. the hell's going on, Blake? Uh, they're just fighting it out, trying to get the expansion. And it's good the Supreme Court last month said, no, this, this settlement agreement that was arrived at, we're not adopting. We're not entering an order adopting the settlement agreement. Um, I it was shady. I I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. I think you need to have a public process. I saw that, you know, it being done in closed session and agreed to in private mediation, you really can't do that when you have a public process. You need to have public comment. You need to notify butters. You need to notify interveners about what's going on, what the proposal is. And that, that really wasn't done. Yeah. So I didn't like the way it was done. I'm glad that the Supreme Court didn't adopt that. So they settlement. did the right thing. They did the right thing, but yeah. it's it's still not over because there's the the that it was in front of the Supreme Court because they are appealing the Superior Court decision upholding CRMC's denial of the expansion. 
So because the Supreme Court didn't adopt the settlement agreement doesn't mean that that appeal has been dismissed. The oh. Supreme Court still has to resolve that appeal. Okay. So I got gotcha. you. They undid the a settlement, but it just brings it. So it's reverse gears back to the step they were at before that. Yeah. So they, so, they were in front of the Supreme Court appealing okay. the Superior Court decision, which was upholding the CRMC denial of the expansion. So that was docketed in the Supreme Court. During that that appeal, the CRMC and Champlins reached some type of mediated settlement. Right. And they asked the Supreme Court to adopt that settlement. And the Supreme Court said, no, not, not adopting that settlement. Proceed with your appeal. So there's a, a pending appeal. I think the it, it's advantage um, town, state. I, I, I don't see how Champlins wins. I mean, you don't know. But right. It was an agency right. decision that was upheld. By the Superior Court. It was based on substantial facts. Because that's what had me puzzled. I thought once things got shot back from the Superior Court, that was it. You can't go any higher than that. Okay. You can you can go to the Supreme Court. Um, it's called a writ of certiorari. It's a discretionary writ to go higher. Because your appeal from CRMC is to Superior Court. You have a right of appeal to Superior Court. Now, if the Supreme Court wants to review the Superior Court's decision, that's discretionary. I don't know what their basis was for saying yes, let's review the Superior Court's decision. They could have just denied it. So I don't know if they see something. I don't see something. Maybe it's going to be an argument about due process. Listen, this took 20 years. Yeah. And you know? to, to zoom out a little bit in the bigger picture of Block Island, where it was, where we are now, and where we're heading. Um, again, we've referenced uh, the Surf Hotel being purchased by a uh, you know corporation that owns several boutique hotels. Uh, Champlin's now, this is the second corporation because up until I think the surf, I mean, pretty much all the businesses out here have been either passed down, not passed down necessarily, but you know, family family businesses, businesses, you know, um, Frank Frank DBA's was probably the mid step. He was a little bigger than just a family operation, but he still came out, brought the family and he he ran it in that style. And now it's in Frank, he's still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a family business. But that's what I mean is that like now the Island is faced with, we have these, you know, which it's going to happen. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. You can, but you know, i free enterprise man but um you know i just think what are your feelings on corporations coming in like what what can we do or is there anything to be done or or you know is it going to change the 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 feel of the island the character of the island now that it's not like it was i guess i mean maybe maybe i think um in a way, I think we all acknowledge maybe the character of the island has changed since when we were kids. It's just oh, like God, the, it's yeah. just the nature. Yeah. I mean, I remember being yeah. out here in the '90s when I was a rambunctious teenager, and it was lawless. <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah. lawless. So it's like the island. Well, has you changed. believed it was lawless. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> the cops probably didn't believe yeah. that. Yeah. You just never. That's got an caught. illusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it was. It was different. It was, I think, a little more free spirited back then. It was. Sure. The, you know what? No, the cops would just. You, They'd give you a fair warning. They were coming down the road. Go everybody, home. Everybody ditched into the woods or the bushes and you ran home. And, you know, yeah, I know what so you mean. So how do I feel about it going more corporate? Obviously, I'm concerned. You know, and why is it? You know, I think we need to make sure that we're nurturing the family businesses that are out here. Yeah. I, th- I think the town needs to say, listen, we you have families that have been running businesses out here. This is what we want. We don't want to go corporate. You can't stop someone from selling their business. You just right, can't. Right, right so, of course not. But So that's why you have to nurture those who do want to continue family businesses. You can't, you know, stop. No, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. Right. We're going to bust your chops at every turn. And I love this town, but that's kind of been, the town's been in a way somewhat anti-business. Um, I, yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen in a that. lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, and and so that is a policy decision, but you have to understand that there are consequences to policy decisions, and you may have families say, "Listen." I'm not putting up with the crap. Right. I can just sell out to this big corporation from out of state and, you know, I'll go live my life happily. Right. And right. so that that's, I think the town has to have some type of, of reckoning with that, that listen, we need to make sure that the families that are out here, we're making sure that they can succeed and that we're supporting them. Yeah. Because if they don't, people are going to sell out. There's a lot more businesses out here that are run by families than that are run by corporations. I hope that never changes. Yeah. yeah well, that too. that's that's what brought my question well, is because I, it's starting to, you know, these two years, two years ago, it was the surf. This year, it's Champlain's, you know, and, and again, there's nothing, change is going to happen. We all know change is inevitable. Um, we also know that, you know, we don't love change out here on Block Island all the time, <laughs> no. right? Drag your feet. <laughs> right. But, you know, and, I, I see that on parallel, uh, on other levels too, though, like it's, it's, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I forecast and, you know, I say lots of stupid things, but I, I just see the year round population here is going to go the other way soon because, you know what, you, if you raise your kids here, they in the majority, you know, not everyone, I don't want to speak for everyone, they can't afford to buy houses here and stay here and work here and run businesses. And if you decide to sell your house, you're probably not selling it to some working family who's going to put kids in the school and be here. So I think totally. we're going to see that change coming. It, one way or the it's, other. It's, it's happening. Hap yeah, it's happening. We're already seeing it with, you know, I don't know how many people who, um, you know, provide services like plumbing, electrical, you know, the, these these contractors, you know, it's it's becoming a commuter island. They, yeah. they can't afford, you know, you, you and we're seeing it even in, in offices such as, uh, you know. How can you pay a town manager a salary to buy a home on Block Island? You just it, it, yeah. it's it's way out of whack the real estate thing, and I think yeah. that's going to be a driving force behind a lot of change. Yeah. I just hope that the corporations, when they come in, I said it before, you know, hey, try to fit in. You know what I mean? Like, try to do the best you can to do what you want to do, but fit into what we got going on because that's why you want to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's, and I think that. That that removal of the layer, the layer of me sitting next to you, Blake, at the bar and chatting, you know, if, if even though you own and operate the Manises, that layer is gone when you get into a big corporation comes in. There's decisions being made in an office somewhere by nobody who's going to sit next to you at the beachhead and have lunch. You totally. Know what I mean, yeah. and that's where you know there's a disconnect. They, they're going to look at numbers only and make decisions, and that's going to be the hard thing, you know. And that's how it is with real estate, and how it is, I think, with everything. Yeah, I mean, we have a business out here, and obviously we're we're in the business to make money, but we, we love it out here. You know, we're riding horses right. on the trails, and you know, I love this island. Yeah. You know, and I, I think we need to make sure that people who love this island, who have businesses, feel that they feel the love, feel the love back. Yeah. Um. And but and the jury's still out on on like the corporations coming here, right? So you have like Lark Hotel Group that purchased the Surf and the Gables too. And I've met the owner, and he's great. He's out here a lot. This guy Rob Blood, and I think he he cares about the place, and he wants to be a good corporate neighbor, a good corporate citizen. Right. And it yeah. looks like he did it the right way. He's fitting in. You know, of course totally. he brought the building up to where it needs to be and everything, but you know he didn't try to put a marina out into the off well, the beach. And down he agreed there, to you know? keep like he little. And you know what? It's the little things too that matter. Like that things that a corporation might not even think about but like just the fact that they agreed to leave the surf hotel sign up there classy 
very classy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's what we want. We just, we don't care. We know everything's going to change, but just give us those little things that make us. I think they brought the surf back to life. At one time, the surf was serving drinks and dinners and every, you know, and it had dwindled down to just being a hotel. Maybe I don't even know if they were doing breakfast for a while. Yeah. So that was the kind of thing, like a corporation coming in to re spark something that had sort of dwindled down due to aging family and whatnot. And they did a great job. You know, I don't think, that, you know, you're not looking at a surf that uh, beach house is now called. That's that different than it was 50 years ago. Totally, you know, it was yeah. a dinner hall. And, you know, it's, you know. We're lucky it's not boarded up. That That's what I mean. They, yeah. They, which they, it also was for a few years. Yeah. You know, yeah. like legally, if you're not, if you're not occupied like that, it should be boarded up. Yeah. You know, so I think we should be thankful that they've come in and, and rekindled yep. it and they've done it in the right way. Uh, yep. Yeah. And that's what I mean. <laughs> fit in. You know, they fit in. I yeah. think they fit in. You know, you don't see this awful thing on Water Street. So yeah, well, I I just know that I'm I'm thankful that we have you, Blake, out there. You know, repping Block Island and uh, you know keeping a line of communication going for us here up to the state. And uh, you know, thank you, man. Thanks for everything. Yeah, you're doing thanks for, us. for everything. It's my pleasure, guys. Yeah. And thanks for taking time to do this podcast with us because you're a busy man. It's yeah. been a blast. Yeah, All right, great. <laughs> All right, cool. I like that. <laughs> Well, you're I welcome know. back anytime. If I, you ever, you know, when you run for governor, I think we'll, we're going to uh, have Governor Filippi back on the show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no! Uh, or actually, so. maybe he won't make governor now. But after he's been on our podcast, yeah. it's more this like gets right, out yeah. There. You pre- sorry about that. We've ruined. I don't your, think we said. What do you mean that? it was lawless, Filippi? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean he's serving raw milk? It's all in the, don't worry, I covered you on that one. It's all perception. <laughs> perception of lawlessness uh, all right blake well listen we are running out of time but one thing we like to do with all of our guests before we let them go is to uh go through a little thing we call the lightning round where we ask our guests questions they don't have really anything to do with anything they're just fun so don't think too hard about them uh are you up for that yeah sure all right, all right sure all right. rich why don't you start it off okay mansion beach or scotch beach mansion would you rather ride in a bus full of chickens or democrats <laughs> Democrats. <laughs> how often Do you is you know it? how chicken smell? I'm sorry. <laughs> you ever been on a chicken farm? You get it. <laughs> no, I get it. That's why I made the question. Um, how often is it healthy to cry? As much as you need to. Good Great answer. answer. Very nice. What's your favorite car? My 1992 Nissan Pathfinder, which I had out here when I was 16. Nice. Do you know what Triskaidekaphobia is? No. I didn't either. It's the fear of the number 13. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, paddleboard or canoe? Paddleboard. Would you ever go to a movie alone? Yes. That's a. That's it. That's all we got. That's the like, good life. Yeah, that was easy. Yeah, heart was racing for like the tough oh, ones. <laughs> no tough ones. <laughs> if we can avoid it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, another thanks to our sponsors and thank you, Blake, yeah, for thank joining you, Blake. us. Thanks, thanks for the listeners for listening again to our crazy rants and stupid stuff we talk about. Uh, love having you. Love hearing your ideas. Please email them to us at two guys on bi at gmail.com and please make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels and uh whatever you do uh you know subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to it whether it's apple or spotify just click that subscribe button uh and tell your friends how much you love two guys on block island right yeah that'd be great because yeah. that's the best way to spread the word for and, us we and rich and i don't have many friends no so if you were to tell your friends that would be good 
Yep. Yeah. I told all two of my friends. Yeah. That's one more than I have. So. Hey, Mark, why don't you run for governor? Oh, I, you just, there's a long list of reasons why I shouldn't run for governor. Right. First of all, because I don't know anything about politics, as you probably can tell. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. You know. yeah. But sometimes right. that could be the key. It could be. You're not jaded. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not right. jaded, man. Thanks for a great episode. All right, everybody. See you next week. Hey, Rich. Yeah. Want to go, go stuff some ballot boxes with me? Yeah. Do you who's, have whose you, name should we put on there? Uh, not mine. How about Momo? Okay. What shall we do with the sailor? What shall we do with the sailor? What shall we do with the sailor?